Have you ever longed to escape reality or fantasized about stepping into someone else's shoes, even for just a little while? Hi, I'm Laura Mullen. And I'm Chris Hawley. We host CBC's Play Me, the immersive podcast that transforms theater into addictive audio fiction. Join us for a new season and disappear into a world rich with drama, where every show delivers hypnotizing stories and unveils intriguing characters with secrets. Play me wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Ideas. I'm Nala Ayed. This is from 2017. My daughter Holly was 25 years old. This is her singing the lead role in a comic opera. I'm one of many family members that night at the Vancouver Academy of Music, taking shaky videos from the audience. Holly was about to go into her third year of a music degree in classical voice. Tonight, she's gavotting coquettishly across the stage in fishnets and heels, singing the coloratura soprano role of Minette in Offenbach's chamber opera La Chatte Metamorphosée en Femme, the cat who transformed into a woman. I couldn't see the irony in it back then, but a very different transformation was just beginning. This documentary is about identity and about rites of passage. So, do you want me to, like, do you think of yourself as my son now? I think of myself as, I, that's such an odd question because I don't think I ever really thought of myself as your daughter. It was like kind of, I know, I know that Pamela Post is my mother. It, it kind of came from the other direction, so. I know, I, I asked that because I was, I was asking it through you, the back doorway because I was like, do you want me to call you my son? Does that feel right? It's very much, I think so, essentially. It's the story of pursuing what it takes to feel right. Essentially, once the first needle goes in, once I am chemically transitioning towards masculinity, I think that's when it makes sense for me. Um, It, you know, I get that that's a learning process because that's a different word. But in the end, I'm still your kid, your child, your offspring, your loin fruit. This episode features Vancouver journalist Pamela Post and her son Asher, who first came out to Pamela as transgender in 2019, two years after singing the role of Minette. So what is gender to you? 
I'm less and less certain every day what gender is. Um, because the truth is an obtuse, nebulous, philosophical discussion that could just go in circles forever. Because gender is fake. We made it up. Aside from the purpose of creating babies, it's got no purpose. Yet still I ascribe to it. Why? I couldn't even tell you. Can you give a primer, you know, say for people for whom this is so out of their wheelhouse, uh, and I'm not going to stereotype a, a type of person for whom that might be. Let's just uh, say like 98% of baby boomers. I'll stereotype. <laughs> Shortly after that 2017 opera performance, Asher, then Holly, suffered a vocal injury. All training in classical opera as a soprano stopped. Over the last two years, they've been documenting their mother-son journey, starting here. With their first taped conversation, in the car, outside the Three Bridges Clinic in Vancouver. Excited? Yeah. Nervous? Yes. You can be both. Totally. Yeah, I am. I am. The documentary is called Passaggio, a term from classical singing, meaning the transition or passage between the vocal registers. Tell me what you're about to go do. I'm about to go uh, upstairs at Three Bridges Clinic to um, have my second uh, trans intake appointment and potentially start uh, HRT, hormone replacement therapy. And what's involved in that? Um, for the actual process, um, if I decide to go this route, which I think I will, because it's classic, um, they will instruct me on how to um, prep myself for injection, usually in the leg. Um, they'll administer the first one and then give me the tools or the prescription for the tools, rather, to um, continue on my own once a week at home. So I will be self-stabbing. And you haven't said what the hormone is. Oh, it's testosterone. Pardon me. It's to, it's to make me manlier, to, to bring out my, my inner teenage boy to... To puberty it up and become the man that I have recently wanted to become. That sounded far less dramatic than have always wanted, but you know, journalistic integrity. <laughs> and so uh, you mentioned earlier that you're actually feeling uh, good today. You're not, you're not, uh, no misgivings, no second thoughts. I'm I'm mostly positive. If I had to put it on a graph, I'd say it's mostly positive. You know, I'm leaning over towards the right. Wow, I never say that in real life. Um, aside from my scoliosis, but I'm, just, I'm sorry. I'm a nervous joker. Um, I can't say that I don't have any misgivings or any second thoughts because this is a huge... I'm about to go in there and potentially completely alter the course of my life. And as I may have mentioned, willingly go through puberty again. But... All of my worries are about the short term. They're about, I'm going to be uncomfortable soon. Not about, am I making the right decision? So, yeah. That's happening. So, um, as you uh, prepare to go into this appointment, you're filled with a sense of, um, I'm on the right track. Yes. I. It feels like progress. Um, not doing it to me feels like the kind of non-decision that's just started to make me uncomfortable because as I get more and more comfortable in my 
kind of masculine presenting fashion and mannerisms and all of that, I keep running up against this roadblock of, well, are all these physical and, yeah, physiological traits that just aren't fitting the bill. They're not matching. And, I mean, I'm sure any biological male could say the same, that there are plenty of things they feel that make them feel less great, but I would prefer not to have two decks of cards stacked against me in terms of uh, feeling good in that regard. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's scary, um, you know, seeing at least temporarily goodbye to my voice will be a thing. it's going to break and I can really mitigate any long-term damage that's caused by that by um, taking the dosages of tea low and slow um, and also going back to see a vocal coach as I go through this. So um, especially if I start working nine to five again, I'll definitely be doing that because I want to keep this healthy. It's it's something I've been good at and I'd prefer to not just kind of no, never be good at it again. And heck, if all goes well, and if my voice drops enough, that's a crapshoot again. Like, we never know. But if it drops enough and I take care of it, I can join choirs as a tenor. And they are in high demand. That's right. Nobody wants a soprano. Everybody wants a tenor. So, fingers crossed. Or I end up as a contralto and just do my own weird avant-garde stuff and, like, sing by myself at museums. Uh, yeah, like a... You could do Baroque or like a castrati kind exactly. of thing. Like yeah. a countertenor. Yeah, exactly. A countertenor. <laughs> Plus, I've heard, this is so exciting actually, did I tell you um, that Dr. Matthias was a classical music student as well? He studied the trumpet, and so we had a whole conversation about, he's very excited about kind of music student um, transitioning stuff. Um, and yeah, he says I'll develop a falsetto. Oh, yeah. I, like yeah. a BG. Like a BG. Exactly. Like a BG. Or, yeah, why? I'm blanking. I know lots of male singers who falsetto. Okay. <laughs> Is that someone? I think I have to go. Okay, you go. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll text you where I am. Okay, sounds good. Okay. Good talk. Okay, love you. Love you too. Okay, see you in a bit. Okay. After the doctor's appointment, we had to go back to my place for a while to wait for the prescription to be filled. And I started thinking about some of the families I knew who had broken down over a trans family member coming out. I was also thinking about another mother who said to me, Oh, I'm so sorry you're going through this. I can't imagine what it would be like to lose my daughter. Like it was bad news. Like an illness in the family. I was offered pity over Asher's coming out. So how do you describe yourself? I don't know. In terms of my identity, um, 
I feel like somebody who is masculine, but not to the nth degree, you know? Now that I'm out, I don't feel like I'm suddenly going to become this hyper-macho lumberjack. Um, I still feel like there are a lot of aspects of me that aren't going to change going forward that are more feminine. Um, for example, I like to talk about my feelings. And I don't think second puberty is just going to shut that off. I think that's a lot more of a nurture versus nature thing. So that gets us more into like the philosophical discussion of is gender kind of taught or is it innate? And, um, but yeah, you know, if I had to put myself on a spectrum, if you saw the little dot right in the middle where the non-binaries are and uh, masculinity on the right and femininity on the left, um, I'd probably put myself, you know, several dot points, but not an aggressive amount of dot points over towards the masculine. So I feel like I identify as male, but if I want to put on a pair of high heels and leggings and lipstick two years from now, after I've been on tea and my voice is all gravelly, I'm still going to do it. And once again, everyone's journey is different. It's not, you're not, you shouldn't feel forced to undergo any kind of chemical or surgical tra transition to feel like the gender at which you were not assigned. But for me, that is part of the journey. T is the term used by millennials like my son to mean testosterone. I'm still stewing about some of the negative reactions to trans issues I'm picking up from some people in my generation and older. Why do you think people are afraid? Like, you know, these transphobia, homophobia, it, it phobia, mm -hmm. fear. Why does this make people afraid? Um, I think the fear probably comes from many different places. You know, fear of change and dislike of change and hatred of change. And then just general fear that there will be no order to life. Like, you know, things need to be labeled and classified and... I think especially with gender becoming a lot more of a spectrum and less of a binary, people are afraid because they ha they feel like maybe they'll have to lose their label because they feel like, well, I'm a woman, you know? Can't you just be a woman? Well, it's fine if you want feel like you're trans, but then you're a man. Like, and all of this, there's a ton of fear of the middle ground. It's human nature to resist change and to love labels. And the dissolution, potentially, of labels um, in gender freaks them out. So, hi, I'm Edward, um, Asher's boyfriend, would be the best term, I suppose. Known him for a number of years now, and yeah, I'm quite fond of this one. Ed Gabbett also challenges labels. Ed is Asher's boyfriend. They started dating as a boy-girl couple six years ago as Ed and Holly. Then they went their own ways for a while, but they stayed friends and they got back together as a couple after Asher came out as a transgender male. You know, the whole she, he, he, she thing. That's sort of one of the interesting things I'd say about myself is that it never really mattered for me in that regard, personally, because being bisexual or pansexual as the term is usually referred to these days, it's the person who I care about. The other bits and pieces are just, well, not as important. They're not the focus of what's my attraction and my love for somebody is. Labels. We use them for anything that identifies us. I'm German-Canadian on my mom's side and Simshan First Nation on my dad's side. We live in Vancouver, far south of our Simshan traditional territory in northwest BC on the Skeena River. But I visit my dad's traditional village of Kitsum Kalem whenever I can. 
And every Saturday, I take a Zoom class with other Simshan learners of Somaliach, the language my grandmother spoke fluently but surreptitiously, only when there were no Gomsiwa or white people around. In our feast hall protocol, it's important to identify yourself, your ancestors, and where you come from. Amasa, Pamela Post, you? Sometimes speaking our language, emotions come up and surprise you. Saying my dad's name in Somaliach caught in my throat during our class, and then again when I identified Asher as my son. John Post. I'm working on a film project based on the stories my Simshan dad told me. I want to discover how our Simshan culture, pre-contact, might have viewed gender. Are there any models or cultures, you know, in our Indigenous cultures, although so much of it has been... Um, obliterated by the violence of colonialism, we know that this sort of umbrella term that was agreed to by Mm -hmm. a number of Indigenous groups in North America in the 1990s, two-spiritedness, being two-spirit, was something that uh, there is evidence that people um, were actually held up as having, walking through the world sort of with extra gifts. It certainly Mm -hmm. was not weird. It was um, accepted as part of society. Are there any, do you see any other examples or of that example? Anything you look at and go, that's what we should aspire to? Or, you know, look at this group or this time in history or whatever when people maybe had it together more or not? Not to my historical knowledge, no, but I think, yeah, the model of two-spirit people being revered is a fantastic thing to look towards. Getting back to actually researching and asking questions of Indigenous peoples themselves um, and not just making assumptions and being colonial buttheads. We have to get going uh, in a few minutes. But um, when we were driving here, I burst out into a Disney song. And then you, uh, who know the words much better, Uh. uh, picked up. And um, you do have a very Disney princess voice. I do. It's it's the grand joke of it all. Even when I, like, when I sing and then I hear myself recorded back on my back, even when I was comfortable more or less being a female, I thought, my God goodness i sound like a cliche so that that is you are not you are not exaggerating uh do you mind giving us a little sample we were singing um sure. from the little mermaid uh not under the sea it was, it was um, uh, a part of their yeah, part, part of, of your, your world. world okay oh god i don't know what's um i want to be where the people are I want to see want to see him dancing strolling around down the what do you call it? Street. Up where they walk, up where they run, up where they stay all day in the sun. Till this moment, I had never shed a tear over this idea of losing my daughter. But just as with getting choked up speaking my indigenous language, as we sat there with the first testosterone injection looming, I felt a kaleidoscope of memories, movie mermaids, backseat sing-alongs, and choral solos wash over me, and a tug to hold on to something that was cherished and familiar. Out of the sea, wish I could be part of that world. <laughs> 
Yeah, I get emotional listening to that. Aww. I mean, it's I've a been very really... emotional song. <laughs> but she wants to be where the people are. <laughs> but it's funny because I noticed that I haven't had that kind of I'm going to lose my daughter. But for some mm. reason, I got sad thinking. Well, well, don't... It's, and you know what? That whole thing is about her losing her voice. I, funny, right? Oh, no. And I'm, I'm tearing up a little bit because, yeah, I will fully admit I am super vain about my voice. And I know it's a little bit of a different. But I'm. I'm very worried that despite all of my efforts, I'm not going to get it back. Because I, you know, wasn't exactly in fine form today, just so you know, people of the internet or wherever. Um, But I worked hard to get it where it is. And I have a good ear and all of that. But, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I may... I am pretty confident that I will not lose my ability to sing. But I'm not going to have the range that I currently have. Uh, And that's okay. Because if I think about it, deciding not to go on HRT for my voice, a relic that I don't even use much anymore, is absurd. Like, it's not like I'm giving up a career in the opera industry to do this. I ended up in tech. I sing for fun. You know, I play many other instruments that will be totally unaffected by my transition. But I believe me, I get that because, you know, I'm quite covetous of my voice. It's it's I like that. I don't like how it sounds when I speak, but it sings pretty good. Well, thanks a lot. Now we're both crying. Okay. Okay. Let's go inject the mermaid with testosterone and see what happens. Woo! I'm going to turn into Prince Eric. Oh god, you sucked. He was so boring. This is Ideas on CBC Radio 1 in Canada, across North America, on Sirius XM, in Australia, on ABC Radio National, and around the world at cbc.ca slash ideas. You're listening to a documentary called Passaggio by Pamela Post. It tells the story of her young adult son, Asher, and his gender transition. Asher was a classically trained opera singer, a soprano, before he started testosterone therapy. Asher then went into a second puberty, this time a male puberty. But the treatment carries with it a potentially shattering prospect. The transition may mean that he could lose his singing voice forever. When faced with the complex moral questions the world tends to throw our way, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. My name is Waleed Ali. And I'm Scott Stevens. We're the hosts of The Minefield, an ABC Australia podcast. And each week we try to navigate the moral complexities of modern life in a way that's unexpected, unpredictable, intellectually serious, but more than a little fun. Along the way, we're joined by a range of philosophers and thinkers who promise to help you see the world and the challenges we face in a different light. You can listen to The Minefield wherever you get your podcasts. Mashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh O'er the fields we go, laughing all the way Bells on bobtail ring, making spirits bright 
It's now Christmas 2019. Asher has been on testosterone for three months. Not enough time yet for his voice to change. To preserve his voice as it goes through the male puberty process, including breaking, it must eventually be rested. But at this early stage, it's still safe to do one of his favorite things, and that's produce an annual kitschy, cheesy, jazzy Christmas album called Elves and Eggnog. He does this every year with his musical collaborator, Garrett Hopper. For Elves and Eggnog 2019, Asher is still a soprano, just singing down an octave. Quarantine puberty 2K20. It's been two months since my last update, and I think I sound manlier on average now because every time I answer the phone, my dad goes, Wow, your voice is so deep. When 2020 rolls in, along with the COVID pandemic, Asher's speaking voice has dropped quickly and is starting to break. He posts what he calls second puberty updates on his Facebook page. Because when I speak high, this happens. This happens all the time. I don't have the ability to talk up there, but I still do. Every time I get excited, I'll go up there. And so people will start laughing. And I'm trying to make a point. I'm like, what's going on, guys? Take me seriously. I'm a man. Yeah. Asher was mostly ebullient as the hormones slowly started to make changes in his voice, his body and emotions. Always stylish and quick with the quips sometimes to hide difficult feelings, my son was coming into himself as a gay man, a self-described dandy. It's been a celebration of a new type of style as well. Um, And so I've always been a flamboyant person. I'm just, uh, you know, it's just, I suppose, viewed differently by society now. Because I still don't really pass unless I'm wearing my mask in an Uber. Um, That was... It's a real milestone having an Uber driver call me sir. Um, But uh, so really, most of the time, people just assume I'm a lesbian comedian now because I wear a lot of button-up shirts and suspenders, which is fine. You know, Hannah Gadsby's very intelligent, though. Maybe you need to work on a set. (laughs) I know. I, I don't think I have that. I don't have that timing that's necessary. I need to binge some more Amy Sherman Palladino written shows. The months roll on. Singing is now impossible. For Asher, feeling his voice dry up, his defining musical instrument, his musical identity, leaves him devastated. Maybe it was to be expected, but it's still painful. For six to eight months after my voice had started to drop, I pretty much had no singing voice whatsoever. And it did hurt. Um, I mean, I was feeling worse about it internally, more than I let on outside. Um, because that was something that I always had. During that time, after my voice started to drop, and a good portion of the year afterwards, I couldn't sing at all. Um, that's when I had to do some thinking about 
how my voice might not come back and thinking, you know, you might not be a singer when your voice settles, your voice is going to be low and that's great, but your musicality is gone. And I did grieve that. To cope, Asher focuses on other changes he's going through. He turns to key internet support groups and friends. Yeah, Wyatt, can you tell me if my eyebrows will ever grow back? <laughs> uh, no promises. I am. Asher and his I friend Wyatt are comparing notes on the effects of testosterone. We're on a four-way Zoom call with another mother transgender son pair, Wyatt and his mom, Casey. Yeah, it was definitely a pivotal moment in our relationship. And, and just the realization as a parent that, oh my goodness, I thought I knew my child and there is so much more to my child that I don't know about and that I'm going to have to wait. For At first, Wyatt's gender issues caused a rift between the two. But Casey says it was only when she decided to take a back seat to support more than parent, they became a team in his transition process. Before coming out, Wyatt struggled with serious physical and mental health issues, but he's been on testosterone for over five years now, has had surgery, and is now healthy, happy, and enrolled in a PhD program. Asher and Wyatt talk about dozens of topics, including the kind of men they want to be. If we're able to use our, our history as living in a feminine life and then moving into a masculine life to... As, a, as an anchoring point, moving through society in a positive way, I think that's a really important trait that we bring to being trans. It, it gives us a privilege to experience both sides of this coin. I would just kind of add on to that in that much in the way that we're able to kind of um, see and understand the struggles of women everywhere, because we've been there, I think we could potentially be a good bridge um, towards breaking down the parts of toxic masculinity that are hurting men. For example, it might be easier for your cis male friend to open up and kind of be emotional if his buddy uh, already has all of the socialization around being vulnerable and talking about what one is going through and kind of letting it out. Before we sign off our Zoom call, Wyatt's mom, Casey, has a question for Asher. Just out of curiosity, but how's your singing voice now? Oh, man, um, it's getting better. Like it was it was very dire um, at around kind of the six month to 10 month um, on testosterone. You know, it was I had like maybe an octave. It's still I still have this very odd break, like a, a, a very persistent break. So I hope through consistent practice, um, it gets stronger because it, it was a bit of a loss. I, I was vain about my voice, but it was it's OK. You know, it's still, I can still carry a tune well. Um, and that's something, it feels like I have something to build onto at least. And I will be putting out my third cheesy Christmas album with a musician friend of mine this year. So if you, if you want to, if you want to do that to yourself, um, I'm sure it'll be available on the internet sometime soon. <laughs> then you can see. That's wonderful to hear. Yeah. Thank you. But that 2020 version of Elves and Eggnog never got made. Not because of Asher's voice, but because his best buddy and musical collaborator Garrett wasn't feeling well. 
So we enjoyed last year's version instead. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. And there was something else to celebrate. Asher was scheduled to go into hospital 11 days after Christmas to have his top surgery. Top surgery in Asher's case was female to male gender reassignment surgery. It removes the breasts, augments the nipples and musculature to be more masculine. I supported Asher's decision, but worried, as any parent would, about such a big surgery and the inevitable pain of recovery. But Asher's joy was undiluted. On Christmas Day, I had him open one Christmas present last in what I thought would be a sentimental Kodak moment. I gave him a bag of self-care lotions and anti-stress things that he could take into the hospital with him. Of course, Asher delivered his trademark quips throughout our moment. So this is something for when you go into the hospital? When I go into the hospital, yes. Okay. Okay. It's a little, it's a little bag of stuff from Sage. Peace of mind. I'm going to need that. I'm very afraid of hospitals. Because I know that you may not be able to have people with you because of COVID. I will be all alone. So I just, it's just something. And then there's a couple of other things in there. (gasps) Spritz. Unwind. (laughs) (laughs) It's for when you get gassy. Oh, beautiful. Calming mist. Unwind, obviously. (laughs) Unwind, calming mist. Let's mist right now. Ah, it smells like the rains down in Africa. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> this is actually, no, it's actually, very this is, of you. thank you. This is, oh, citru- it's very citrusy. It does smell like just an orange peel, like kind of like tea. I really like that. Thank you. I feel more relaxed already. Well, because I don't, I don't get to be with you in the hospital, but that will be like having Thank me. You. I want you just to know that you are not alone, and you have those things, and Thank that I'm, you. I'm with you. I'm right ne- there next to you in my own way. Oh, thank you. I do appreciate that because I'm going to be terrified. So, thank you. Yeah, you're going to be fine, sweetheart. Thank but you. I do worry a little bit. And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I love you. Love you. Okay, January fifth. January fifth. The detitning. <laughs> Five months later, and it's now May 2020, Asher and I thought back on that happy, jokey Christmas moment. I'm glad we had it because the surgery, while a great success, brought a lengthy and painful recovery period far longer than Asher had expected. It knocked the wind out of everyone's sails for months. It was like a great darkness fell over the land of our lives. And this is in no way like a cautionary tale. I mean, in the, you know, it was just, you are so thrilled with the outcome. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Beyond thrilled. And I, throughout all of it, I I did do, you know, occasional check-ins. Hey, you've been having a horrible time. Do you regret doing this? And I never did. I never thought that because of this, I wish I had not gone and gotten, you know, the top surgery. It was just, it was just really, really unpleasant for a really, really long time. So between 95 and 2013, I was in transition and in turmoil. 
I suffered. I don't know how I lived through all of that. Um, and it was horrific. It was awful. It was beautiful. It was scary, confusing, and I had no answers and no one to turn to. I thought back to another Zoom conversation Asher and I had had with Salish Wesley, an Indigenous scholar, storyteller, and cedar weaver. Salish is Stalo and Simshian. She's a transgender woman. On her Simshian side, she's our relative, though we had yet to meet in person. She brings a deeply spiritual and cultural lens to her experience of being transgender. I lived here in Chilliwack. I was born and raised in Terrace. So I know firsthand what racism is and what homophobia is and transphobia wasn't even a term then. Terrace and Chilliwack are both very white, very um, religious, very ironically um, hillbilly-ish, for the lack of a better term. As a child, I recall feeling like a colossal mistake for an identity that I couldn't help. I used to pray every night before going to bed. I didn't even know what prayer was because we weren't a religious family and we weren't cultural at the time, but I would pray. And I remember praying to Jesus because I heard that's what people did. And I would beg to wake up normal, like that my, my um, cisgender male body would make my brain catch up. And it never worked. In 2014, Salish published a scholarly paper about her experiences and has since been a sought-after speaker and mentor, especially to Indigenous, trans, or two-spirit people. I wish that I had something more supportive and encouraging to say to um, anybody that is you know, I, I, I think to myself, I'm supposed to help them and continue to light the way and to break the ground for them and help them to realize that if I can see my own wonder, then hopefully they can do the same for themselves. But it, it doesn't matter how time carries on the way it is now, like where it's more normalized. It's, as you can imagine... Or as you can probably relate, Asher, it's it's not for the faint of heart. In order to be trans, you have to be magnificently powerful. It can be exhausting. It can be extremely, you know, mentally and spiritually exhausting. Um, and I I've been blessed enough to avoid not, of course, all of that, but more of it than some of my peers. Um, so, you know, it just strikes me how. Maybe it's the testosterone, but how angry I am that you had to go through what you did. And, you know, I'm so glad you're here with us today, being who you are. Thank you. I'm angry too, <laughs> but I'm, I'm more proud of myself than I am angry. So that's my ace in the hole. That's absolutely fantastic. And inspiring and I wish that I could stay longer and talk longer because I feel like you've so much to share and it's so nice to meet you. Likewise. 
Thank I look you. forward to meeting in person one day. Absolutely. We're relatives after all. Yes, we are. <laughs> after the pain of surgery, good things happened. Asher and Ed moved in together, a big, quiet half a house in East Vancouver, a big yard with fruit trees and a garden. Then, the month of the move, Asher got a call from the head of voice at the Vancouver Academy of Music, where he used to study, asking if he wanted to be involved in a master class for trans voices run by opera programs Berlin. Asher applied with his artist CV to attend the workshop via Zoom. Yes, um, my name's Asher. I'm based in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. So despite not being in Berlin, I could still attend and maybe learn some stuff about um, trans voices in classical music, which is very exciting because we don't have that much data on it um, on account of a lot of opera singers who are less than willing to chemically transition. Asher thought he might be allowed to observe, so... When they asked him to be one of the few to actually sing a classical piece and be coached publicly in the workshop, he was floored. Was that like a real kind of mood booster uh, to come out of the blue like that and, and to all of a sudden, while you were still, you know, your voice is very much still in limbo, all of a sudden you're sort of pulled back into the the club of of classically trained or trained singers um mood boost is one way to put it um infusion of terror may have been closer to the reality of it so our next artist um is asher mclaren i hadn't Um, been you know practicing consistently um due to surgical complications and just general life chaos. So it was me and my less than a month of cramming for the exam that is singing classical music for the first time in three years and for the first time ever with a completely different vocal register. It was very exciting. It felt good to be accepted um, and it felt good to have the chance to sing amongst, you know, other uh, artists again. Um, Asher, I'll invite you this time to unmute yourself and introduce what you're singing. So I am going to be singing Der Leiermann by Schubert. Drüber hinten Dorfe steht ein Leiermann. Mit starren Fingern dreht er, was er kann. Barfuß auf dem Eis vor meinen Liedern, deine Leier Thanks. So, tell me things. Okay. Uh, I'm having some trouble uh, with my new voice. I think it's been mentioned before, like the whole traversing the passaggio thing is completely different here. In um, retrospect, it was a good thing that Asher sang that day. 
because for a long time after that, he fell silent. Two cruel body blows of tragedy followed within weeks of that masterclass. First, a cousin the same age as Asher died from cancer. And just two weeks later, Asher's musical soulmate, Garrett, died, also from cancer. Something Garrett had kept quiet for a long time. He ultimately chose to pick the time and way he passed with a medically assisted death. Asher then went into a dark place. But the new garden at his home with Ed was a blessing. It provided him something to do with his hands, something creative that he could do quietly, alone. I felt like I'd just been watching him go from one painful thing to another. During the Zoom call with our relative Salish, I asked her what she'd say to transgender or two-spirit youth going through a dark night of the soul. Her words were gentle, but searing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what you're going through. I wish you didn't have to go through that. I wish that the world would just accept you as you are. And I wish that you would accept yourself the way you are meant to be. You are not a mistake. You are sacred. You're a teacher. And you're beloved more than you know. When you feel so alone and so troubled by life's injustices, find my footsteps and walk on them. It took a few months before Asher could talk on tape about his losses. Before he died, Garrett had one final request for Asher. He did. He did that little bastard. And I, I'm kidding, but that is very. I. Um, he he uh, asked me to do one more elves and eggnog. Uh, you know, without him uh, this year, which I'm going to do somehow, and it will be very very amateur in comparison. I'm obviously not like the world's most emotive person, uh, especially now with all the testosterone, but it's, you know, very, very fresh and new uh, to have him, you know, we, we all know that if most of us have had at least someone we're relatively, you know, close-ish to uh, die. Um, um, but usually that person is 90, um, and certainly I've never had a friend that close, you know? And I will say that he was a very specific friend for me. And, uh, yeah, I just, he was a really good friend. Um, very unsentimental like me. And I love that. And it's just a, a, a crying shame um, that he's gone. And that, um, what's the child-friendly, radio-friendly way of saying bleep cancer yeah, and I would say Els and Eggnog is so sentimental, right? Like, like it is just so, you know, it's 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 but it's sappy, 
so intentionally and it's like lounge crooner so intentionally and we 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 loved laughing about it um and because there's a sentimentality of christmas is part of why we love it so much because it's not like you can be a non-sentimental person and the trappings of sentimentality are they're they're they are so they can be so lovely the the warm crackling fire and the you know the the cozy sweaters and the good food and you know all the friends that you haven't seen in 18 months um you know sitting around the christmas tree um i don't know why uh two people who are so such great examples of you know um the cynicism of millennials who came of age in the mid-aughts are so into Christmas, but we both were for the same reasons. We just love the decor, we love the warm, we love the happy. Until just recently, in a year that has been hard for everyone on the planet, and for the planet itself, happy seemed a tall order. But from some festive well deep within my son's heart bubbled up some Christmas cheese and schmaltz, and a new Elves and Eggnog album was born. God rest ye merry gentlemen, may nothing you dismay. For Jesus Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. This yeah. is a brocade. It's, it's a an ivory brocade. Yeah. And you see there's also satin, beautiful satin uh, lining. I was thinking back to the mother who felt sorry for me, saying she couldn't imagine losing her daughter. My mom has since passed, but a treasured memento is the beautiful wedding dress she made for me. Asher always coveted it and asked if he could wear it at his own wedding from the time he was little. Comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. And um, all of these. Yeah, the detailing is so gorgeous. I mean, I having good on Grandma, honestly, for having the impeccable talent and skill and to be able to put this together um, and to have it be timeless. I mean, anyone could wear it today and still have it look chic. I didn't lose a daughter. I gained a son who is fully, magnificently themselves. I take that as a bonus. For the record, Asher still plans to wear the dress at his own wedding someday, but altered to be a waistcoat or a suit. After all, it's the same fabric, the same precious thing just transformed. Sing praises, all you within this place, and with true love and brotherhood, each other now embrace this holy tide of Christmas. All other darkness fades. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy.
You were listening to Passaggio, a documentary produced by Pamela Post with help from her son, Asher McLaren. Lisa Ayuso is the web producer for Ideas. Technical production, Danielle Duval. Nikola Lukšić is the senior producer. The executive producer of Ideas is Greg Kelly, and I'm Nala Ayat. All is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin mother and child. Holy infant so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace, sleep in heavenly peace. This documentary first aired in December 2021. And a quick update. Asher has since joined the acclaimed Vancouver men's choir, Cor Leone, as a tenor. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.